This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin tonight's entertainment with a visit from The Saint, played by Vincent Price, best known for his performances in horror films, although his career did span other genres. He appeared on stage, television, and radio, and in more than 100 films. He has two stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, one for motion pictures and one for television. Price started off as a character actor, appearing in films such as The Song of Bernadette in 1943, Laura in 1944, he established himself as a recognizable horror movie star after his leading role in House of Wax in 1953, and subsequently starred in other successful or cult horror films, including The Fly in 1958. Price occasionally appeared on television series such as Batman as Egghead, and for his contributions to cinema, especially to genre films, He's received Lifetime Achievement or Special Tribute Awards from Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. Known for his iconic voice, Price has narrated several animation films, radio dramas, and documentaries, as well as the monologue on Michael Jackson's song Thriller. For his voice work in Great American Speeches in 1959, he was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Spoken Word Album. And a surprise to many. Price was also an art collector and arts consultant with a degree in art history, and he lectured and wrote books in the subject. The Vincent Price Art Museum at East Los Angeles College is named in his honor. And he was also a noted gourmet cook. Tonight, we hear Vincent Price as the saint in the episode, The Furniture Move. Adventures of the Saint, starring Vincent Price. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes transcribed to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as... The Saint. Hey, Mr. Templer. Yes, Louie? You look tired. I am a bit. Been working or something? Or something. That is, uh, I've been playing chess. Uh-huh. So wipe the lipstick off your mouth. The lipstick? Uh, 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 thanks, Louie. You're welcome. On a chess player, it don't look good. It was a very close game. <laughs> that I can figure out for myself. Hey, look, somebody's moving out of your house, you see? 
There's a moving van parked in front. Yeah, so there is. So I better stop here. They're still lugging furniture out. Oh, I hope it's the people who have the apartment over mine. Why, what's the matter with them? Large feet. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, that's odd. What? That desk they just put in the van. It looked familiar. All furniture nowadays looks familiar. Oh, they're all finished. I'll pull up. Don't bother, Louie. Uh, how much do I owe you? A bump. Hey, Mr. Temple, what's the matter? I'm beginning to realize why it looked so familiar. Why? Because it was my desk. Now, look, Mr. Temple, you must have made a mistake. You're not moving. I didn't make a mistake. Yeah, but it's ridiculous. Mr. Templer. Yes, it was my desk. Not to mention my table, my chairs, my... Hey, Louie, did you get the license number of that truck? No. But it belonged to the North America van lines. How do you know? Said so on the side. Oh, well, I'll look it up in the phone book. Yeah. Room looks awful naked. You know, furniture does a lot to fill up a room. Yeah, I've got it here. Uh, North American, 45 Columbus. Phone number... Well, anyway, we know one thing about where your furniture is gone. We do? Yeah. <laughs> North American. Oh, fine. That's a big help. North American. Good evening. Good evening. My name is Simon Templer. I have a complaint. Then you want the manager. I do? You do. His name is George H. Smith. Smith? Oh, very well. Well, let me talk to him. He's not in. Sorry. Well, uh, you might be able to help me. You see, uh, my complaint has to do with my furniture. I, it's just been moved by you people. Didn't we move it far enough? You shouldn't have moved it at all. We're so enthusiastic. I think you'd better check your records. Find out who ordered the van and where the furniture is to be delivered. Very well, sir. Just hold on. Having trouble, Mr. Temple? No, Louie. Just whimsy. From truck drivers? We'll sue them. Who will? Us cabbies in New York. The whimsy belongs to us. And furthermore, I'll... Mr. Templer? Yes? You ordered your furniture moved. I did? Paid for it in advance. Turn the key over to our men and asked for rapid service. Well, I certainly got it. And where did I order the furniture moved to? The Sprague Furniture Galleries. Sprague? But he handles antiques. My furniture's modern. Maybe it's aged rapidly. Good night. Good night, sir. Come on, Louie. We're going to a gallery. We're in a hurry? Yes, you might say we've got to get a move on. Louie, I'm, uh, I'm puzzled. I'm ahead of you. My furniture couldn't have been stolen for the money it would bring. It wasn't that valuable. Too great a risk was involved. So somebody did it for fun? Oh, hardly. Why was it stolen tonight, not last week, last month, or last year? Maybe the guys that swiped it were too busy. Also, half a dozen pieces were taken. Among them, a particularly worthless whatnot. What? Whatnot. And who's on third? Now, whatnot, Louie, is a Victorian monstrosity which shouldn't happen to a tree. The point I'm making, though, is that I've had that whatnot only a few days. Uh-huh. Well, that means they were after the whatnot. So why did they swipe the other stuff? To confuse the issue. To make me think it was just an ordinary burglary. To keep my attention away from the whatnot. Maybe it's worth a lot of money, huh? It's worth exactly what I paid for it, $17. So that don't figure. Where'd you get it, anyway? Oddly enough, Louie, at the Sprague Gallery. Don't look open. Come on. Sprague sleeps in the back. He has a small apartment there. Oh, there's no truck around, Louie. Must have already unloaded. Yeah. Mr. 
Mr. Sprague ought to wash his windows. Yeah, I can't see a thing inside. Must be a bell around, however. Oh, yeah, look, here's one. <laughs> Sounds like an antique bell. Antique or not, it should awake Mr. Sprague. So maybe somebody should ought to tell him on account of it ain't waking him. No. Hey. Yeah, door was open. He may have forgotten to lock it. They light a match, though. Okay. Oh, thanks. Oh. Well. Now we got light, but... Hey. There's your furniture. Yeah, so it is. Desk, table, couch, and... And, 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 and the whatnot. Yeah. Truckman evidently delivered the stuff and left. But, uh, where's Sprague? Maybe in that back room, huh? Yeah, well, we'll see. Oh, the lights are on in here. Kind of a cluttered place for a guy to live in. Yeah, not only cluttered, Louie. It looks as though a hurricane had made more than a passing visit. Yeah, I sh... It's the temple. What, what, what are you staring at? Back here, behind the bed. Huh? Somebody besides the hurricane also visited? Hmm. Knife is still in his chest. He ain't noticing it? He's dead. Oh. Hey, hey, there's a car. Seems to be in the back. It's gone. <laughs> so I hope is the killer. Come on back in. Uh, we frightened him off, Louis. Speak for yourself. I don't frighten babies. Either. But he was still here. Why? Evidently, he hadn't finished his job. But what job, Louis? Well, you said the place looked upset. Maybe he was searching it. Yeah, that's true, but searching for what? The furniture was delivered, the truckman left. The odds are that by the time Sprague was already dead. Yeah. Very well, then what What could the killer have been looking for? The whatnot was here whenever he wanted it for. Louis. I didn't do it. You know, that whatnot must have had a history. Sprague probably has records showing where he purchased his furniture. Uh-huh. So the killer hung around trying to cover the back trail of the whatnot, huh? After all, he didn't expect us to notice the truck leaving your house with your furniture. We we ain't supposed to have been here so quick. Is that good? Only if we find what the killer didn't find. Well, me, I give up. What do we do now? We do just what the killer did before we interrupted him, Louie. Search for Mr. Sprague's ledgers. We go through them, huh? Yeah. And maybe they'll tell us why a man had to die for a whatnot. <laughs> Not in this one. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Temple, I think I got it. Oh, let me see. Here, here. Ah, Victorian whatnot, yeah. Mrs. Susan Carter, Hill Road, Cresdale, New York. Cresdale? That's only half a dozen miles north of the Bronx. This is strange. He doesn't seem to have paid her anything at all for the whatnot. Maybe she paid him. And we could phone, but... You know, Louis, about the only thing on our side is the element of time. We're moving faster than the killer anticipated, therefore... I know. We go north. You know something, Mr. Templer? The trouble with the country is it's so far from the city. I never thought of that. Well, think about it. It's true. <laughs> I'd rather think about Mrs. Susan Carter. Spray got that whatnot from her about a week ago. Yeah, and I bought it from him three days ago. But uh, will she be able to help us? Why not? Was her what not? Sure, but if she knew anything about it, anything that would make it worth murdering someone for, she'd never have passed it on to Sprague in the first place. 
We may be chasing a wild goose, Louie. Who needs a wild goose? A wild gander. Slow down, Louie. I think it's that house on the corner. Okay. Yeah, this is it. Ooh, it's a large house. Yeah. It looks... It looks like there ought to be bats flying around it. It's not so bad. It's not a house most people would prefer to live in. Make a wonderful place to die in. Ooh, what am I saying? I have to frighten myself yet. Mm. Lights on somewhere inside. They must keep late hours. Let's go. Yeah. I did. I did. Some fun they have in these country houses. Yeah, I think it's time we rang. You know, I'm wondering what she didn't. They looked the light just went out inside. I ain't got a feeling nobody is going to open that door. All right, all right, all right. So I was wrong. But who opened it? It doesn't matter. We can get in. Okay. Except I would be happier if somebody at least had opened it. It's like a house of the dead. Stop making up phrases like that. It came from someplace down this hallway. You're running in the wrong direction. We're running close. Hey, look, it must be this door. It's the only one along the hallway. Does it open? Yeah, it opens. Uh, who are you? Oh, he- hello, I'm I'm Simon Templer. This is Louie. Yeah. What do you want here? Uh, we heard you scream. It was because I saw a mouse. It must have been a large mouse. It was a large scream, Mrs. Carter. I'm not Mrs. Carter. But, uh... Claire Wayne. Mrs. Carter's niece. Oh, I apologize. How'd you get in? Well, the front door opened by itself. A very mysterious effect. You're making things up. Not really. Uh, could we see Mrs. Carter? Could you... Oh, no. No! Miss Wayne! Come on, Louie. Yeah, well, I'm right behind you. Claire! Where the devil? Claire! Oh, I, I'm sorry. Neither of us is Claire. Are you Mr. Carter? Carter? Me? No, no, I'm Harold Thompson, Susan's nephew. Oh, well, I'm Simon Templer, Louie. Templer, huh? Are you the saint? Yes, I am. Well, this is quite an honor for us. Thank you. Actually, I wanted to speak to your aunt. You did? <laughs> I said something amusing? You've no idea how amusing. I'll laugh about it all night. <laughs> hey. Well, he's gone, too. Yeah, very restless type characters. Well, anyway, we're getting acquainted fast. Except with Mrs. Carter. Large house. We'll have to look through all the rooms in it. You'll have to look even farther than that, sir. I didn't hear you come into the room. You walk softly. It's a habit of mine. The ill and the dying resent a heavy footstep. It uh, frightens them. Really? Delusion of reverence. I suspect they associate it with death coming for them. You're a doctor. Yes, I'm Dr. Thor. Uh, My name's Templer, and this is Louis. Good evening, gentlemen. How do you do? Uh... You're Mrs. Carter's physician? Yes. She's ill, then? No. She's not at all ill. Well, then I'd like to speak to her at once. About, uh... Uh, About a whatnot that she gave to an antique dealer named Sprague. Seems a trivial reason to brought you out here at this hour. The whatnot in itself is perhaps a trivial thing, Doctor, but murder isn't. Murder? Mr. Sprague. Ah. Uh, at what time was he... Probably uh... around eight this evening. Hmm, it's interesting. At eight, I was out in my car on my way here, but I took a long way around. Might have included the stop in the city. At eight, Harold Thompson had not as yet reached this house. Of course, where he was until then, I cannot say. At eight, Claire Wayne was at the movie, she told me earlier. Well, perhaps she was. Well, very interesting hour. 
Yes, and uh, where was Mrs. Carter at 8 o'clock? Well, she was where she is now, with the nurse in attendance. I thought you said she wasn't ill. She isn't. She was. Oh, I see. She's dead, then. She's dead. Interesting. Three people might have known what the mystery of the whatnot was, and of them, two are dead. The third is the murderer. Susan Carter was an old woman with a weak heart. Meaning her death was natural? Yes. I don't sneer at coincidence, Dr. Thorne, but under the circumstances, I'd like to be sure it was coincidence. Well, of course, I can't quarrel with you about that. I've had a thought or two about Susan's death myself. And? She wasn't stabbed to death. Her heart did fail. Mr. Templer, uh, I'm not a young man anymore. I- I'm tired. I- I'm, all- I'm all confused. And uh, Before going any further into this thing, I'd like to rest. Uh, would it be asking too much of you to spend the night here, hmm, Mr. Templer? I, I think it's very hospitable of you. plenty of room. This is a large house. Suppose we all go to bed. In the morning, perhaps the shadows will all have fled. Well, I you think you'll be comfortable in this room. I, I know the house quite well, you see, I... I played in it as a child. There was a time when I thought that perhaps Susan and I would live in it together, but uh, I uh, married someone else. Uh, good night. Good night, Doctor. Yeah, good night. He's kind of broken up about Mrs. Carter's death, huh? Yes, he is. Could be an act. Uh, it seemed genuine. You know, Louis, nobody in this house has an alibi for Sprague's death. Yeah, Mr. Temple, let's go to sleep, huh? In the morning, I'll feel strong enough to be surprised. But right now... All right, we'll go to sleep. What could happen anyway? Smell smoke. Uh, well, 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 the house is on fire. Hey, come on, Louie. Yeah, I'm right with you. The smoke is terrible. Oh, hey, look, we've got to warn the others. Yeah. I'll get the ones the other side of the hall. The smoke is getting awful thick. Miss Wayne. Miss Wayne. Oh, I was asleep. Go downstairs and out of the house, quick. Oh. The house happens to be on fire. Oh, all right. Louie. Hey. Temple? Oh, there you are. I got both Dr. Thorne and Harold Thompson. They're on their way down. We better get downstairs, too. No, not yet. But we got every living thing out of the house. Yeah, but you forgot the dead. Dr. Thorne? The other men... What happened to them? Be still, my dear. We're safely out. They must have ducked down the back way. No. Here they come now. Carrying something. Not something, Harold. They're carrying a corpse. No. Well, we're far enough away from the house, Louie. We can put her down now. Okay, Mr. Temple. But it's crazy. She's dead, don't you understand? She's dead. Yes, I know, Miss Wayne. But I understand something else, too. That fire wasn't for our benefit. It was for hers. Louie, the lower half of the house hasn't been touched yet. I'm going back in to phone the fire department. Maybe I better go with you. No. 
You're to stay here to make sure that no one harms her. Miss Wayne? No, Louie. Mrs. Carter. Thank you, Carlison. You and the boys did a fine job. Glad we were able to save the lower part of the house. Okay, boys, back to the binocle <laughs> You know that Cresdale Fire Department ain't bad? No. We may as well all go inside. I'll take Mrs. Carter. I, um, I can't say I exactly follow your mental processes, Temple. Oh, is that important? I don't know. Why did you have to disturb her? Mrs. Carter, she's far beyond any disturbances I could create. What Claire meant was, why lug her around the way you are? There's a very simple answer. You see, she's a very important clue. To what? Murder. Shut the door off, Mr. Temple. Oh, thanks, Louie. Well, this room will do as well as any. The couch for Mrs. Carter. Mr. Temple, I, I think I shall insist upon an explanation. We're, we're all here. But we're not all here. What? Oh, Harold. Yes. He was with us when we arrived at the front door, but then... Yeah, he must have decided that other climbs would be healthier climbs for him at any rate. You're not saying Harold killed... I'm saying nothing about that at the moment. Dr. Thorne, does Claire resemble Mrs. Carter... As Mrs. Carter was when she was a girl, of course. You're a cute Templar. The answer, of course, is yes. It's an amazing resemblance. Mm. Yes, it would have to be. Not sure. Why amazing? We were very closely related. That's not the point. Then what is? Someone burgled my apartment, stole a number of pieces of furniture. Among those pieces was a worthless whatnot. Since it was taken along with the others, the others were merely camouflaged. The burglar was primarily after the whatnot. Well, what connection is there between furniture and... Uh... And, uh, death? <laughs> that whatnot, Dr. Thorne, until a week ago, belonged to Mrs. Carter. Huh? A Mrs. Carter who may have died naturally or who may have been killed. I told you her heart failed. Almost anything might have brought it on. Yes, Doctor, almost anything. Perhaps a tiny dose of poison, so tiny that it wouldn't of itself be fatal... So tiny that it would produce no symptoms of poisoning, but it would strain an already weak heart, wouldn't it? Well, yes, it's uh, possible. More than possible. It has to be so. Otherwise, why the fire in the upper part of the house? A fire, therefore, that couldn't have been accidental. No cooking or heating is done up there. Well, maybe somebody was after... The living, Louis? No. No doors were locked. None of us were drugged. The house itself is easier to escape from. Fire had only one purpose, to destroy the body of Mrs. Carter, to destroy the possibility of an autopsy on that body. I'm tired. Oh, tired. I'd better go home. No, not quite yet, Doctor. Mrs. Carter was wealthy? Well, no one knows, you see. She never kept money in the bank. There's always, of course, been a theory that she hid all the money somewhere in this house. She's mean and nasty. I don't mind telling you that Harold and I searched all through the house looking for that money. Did you find it? No. Do you need money, Doctor? I, uh... His wife spends more than he earns. Of course he does. I do. Harold does. There wasn't any money. Was Mrs. Carter a sentimental woman, Doctor? No. No, she was a bitter woman. She hated. Well. Yes, and she was very ill. She knew she was surrounded by... Yes, vultures waiting for her to die so they could pick up her old bones or 
whatever money clung to them. <laughs> Your way of putting it. <laughs> well, it's an accurate way. And now that you know, Mr. Templer, may I go home? Yes. Yes, after you answer one question. That question being... Somewhat earlier this evening, when I asked you about the possibility of Mrs. Carter's death having been murdered, you denied that possibility. I still... Or perhaps I do no longer deny it. However, That's I... That's not uh... my question. At that time, you said she wasn't stabbed to death, meaning that Mr. Sprague, of whose murder I had just informed you, was stabbed to death. But, Dr. Thorne, there are many ways in which a man can be killed. Your question, then, is how did I know that Sprague had been killed with a knife? Yes, Doctor. I don't think I shall answer that question. I'm sorry. Louie, will you get on the phone? The cops? The police. Okay. Sit down, Dr. Thorne. You... You won't need me anymore. Mm. No, Miss Wayne. Then I'll go. Any other room. This one's ugly. Oh. What's the matter? Caught my stockings in the edge of the chair. Oh, that's too bad. They're, uh, they're pretty stockings. Well, they should be. They're nylon. They cost a fortune. Good night, Mr. Temple. Good night. Oh, I phoned the cops. They're on their way, Mr. Temple. Yeah, oh, good, Louie. Hey, uh, Dr. Thorne, you don't look so good. No. You know, if murderers would clap master padlocks on their lips, a lot of them would be better off. They wouldn't give themselves away. And detectives would have a harder time. No, Louis. No matter how securely a murderer's lips may be locked, I uh, coin a phrase, murder will out. Yeah, but if Dr. Thorne hadn't made that slip about the stabbing, you'd never been able to pin the killing on him. Mm -hmm, that's true. But then you see, Dr. Thorne didn't kill anyone. are going to be here pretty soon. For the last ten minutes, nobody has said nothing. No, but Dr. Thorne has undoubtedly been thinking. If he didn't kill anybody, what has he got to think about? About who did? Oh, uh, uh, Mr. Templer. Yes, Doctor? You're quite sure? <sighs> yes, I am. There's no hope of... None. Well, it was a resemblance, of course. A resemblance to a woman that I'd, uh... You permit an old and tired man and... Old and tired cliché, of course. A woman that I had loved and lost. I don't get it. Harold did it, didn't he? Not unless he wears nylon stockings. Hmm. Nylon socks, maybe, but stockings? I couldn't wait all by myself. Why are you staring at me like that, Doctor? It's late. But... Dr. Thorne means he, he followed you to Sprague's earlier tonight. He saw Sprague's body with the knife in it. Well, of course he did. He had to, to kill him. He also saw you leave when Louis and I got to the gallery. Leave before you could find the record of where the whatnot originally came from. Find it and destroy it, lest it lead to this house and you. No. Oh, yes. Right, Dr. Thorne? You see, Miss Wayne, even now the doctor won't give you away because you look so much like the woman he loved. No, he did and he killed my aunt. No, a doctor wouldn't have used poison to kill his own patient. Too obvious. A breath of suspicion and he wouldn't have a chance. Harold. No, no. His disappearance half an hour ago proved his innocence. To who? Louis, where do you think he went? Me? He didn't stop to tell. He went to Sprague's to get at that whatnot. 
because he realized that his aunt had hidden her money in it. Hadn't she, Miss Wayne? I don't know. You do. The police will find it wherever you've hidden it. The police aren't going. Are, and that will be proof enough. It's a pity. And all because of a whatnot. Such an ugly thing. It's all right. So the cops found the doll in the girl's suitcase downstairs in the hall closet. So she killed her aunt and sprayed. But something must have tipped you off before you could be so sure. Nylon stockings, Louis. Oh, we're back to those again. All right, what about nylon stockings? Louis, whoever poisoned Mrs. Carter was the one who set fire to the house in order to destroy the corpse and prevent an autopsy. Yeah? Well, when I warned Claire Wayne about the fire, she said she'd been asleep. Yeah? Later on, after I'd confronted Dr. Thorne with what seemed to be his guilt, she left the room. On the way out, she caught her stockings on a chair. So? Louis, how much do you know about women? Everything. Do women go to sleep with nylon stockings on? Oh, the answer is no. Therefore, Claire Wayne had not been asleep. She'd lied about that with no reason. Unless she had started the fire. Yeah. So she started the fire, so she poisoned the ranch, stabbed Sprague. Yeah, okay. Only one thing more. What, Louie? Remember when we got to the Carter house and rang the bell and then the door opened all by itself? Yes, I remember. Never mind remembering. Explain. Oh, probably only a warped door, Louie. The house was very old. Hey. <laughs> I just thought of something. Yeah, what, Mr. Templer? When I get home, I'll be bedless. Oh, gee, that's right. You ain't got no furniture. Want I should drop you off at a hotel? No, thank you, Louie. Maybe I can find a, a good chess game. been listening to another transcribed adventure of the saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. Now here's our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, in tonight's cast, you heard Peggy Weber as Claire and Victor Rodman as Dr. Thorne. David Ellis was Harold, Gilbert Fry, the dispatcher. Larry Dobkin plays Louie. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at this same time for another exciting adventure of the saint. Good night. This Adventure of the Saint was written by Lou Vitties. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is produced by James L. Safier and directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen co-starring in RKO's production of His Kind of Woman. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. For something new and exciting in your big Sunday lineup on NBC, listen to the Phil Regan Camp Show coming up next. There'll be prizes for talented GIs and the very best Sunday listening for you with the Phil Regan Camp Show next on NBC. Stay tuned for Life with Luigi next on Theater of the Mind. Luigi Basco is all set to write his mama in Italy and tell her of his latest adventures or mishaps as he adapts to his new home, Chicago. We invite you to enjoy life. Life with Luigi, a new comedy show created by Cy Howard and starring that celebrated actor, Mr. J. Carroll Nash, with Alan Reed. <laughs> a year ago, when Luigi Vasco left Italy to start his new life in America... 
He promised his mother that he would write her and tell her about his adventures. So now, we look over Luigi's shoulder as he writes another letter to Mama Basco in Italy. Dear Mamma Mia, since I write to you last week, your son Luigi has fallen in love with a nice American girl. I bet you're surprised how Italian a boy like me gets American girls. What is a no surprise? Because the biggest American hero is Italian. In Italy is Garibaldi. In America is Gary Cooper. <laughs> Since I'm falling in love with American girl, Mamma Mia, I'm trying to find out more about them. Last week, I'm talking with a cashier girl in a movie house. And when she's telling me how she's to go out for a good time, it's just like we build a house in Italy. First, she's to put on a foundation. <laughs> then she's to spread on the paint. After that, she raises the roof, and then she gets a plaster. <laughs> Another thing I don't understand. All American girls, they look nice and skinny. Even if they're fat, they look skinny. <laughs> Is it because a great American invention called girdle? <laughs> All the girls wear this because it takes them in when they go out. <laughs> but American inventors, they're never satisfied. So somebody is inventing what they call two-way stretch. <laughs> That's not only to take a girl in when she's a go out, but also to take a girl out when she's a go in. <laughs> anyway, Mama Mia, since I'm a go out with American girl now, I try to find out more about them. I ask people, but as nobody discusses the subject. So I find out for myself. I buy beautiful magazine with a beautiful picture of a girl on the cover. It's a very exclusive, a high-class magazine. It's called the True Passion Story. <laughs> this, this is only for ladies, but I give a news dealer extra ten cents and he lets me have a copy. <laughs> I'm reading a True Passion Story this morning in my antique store. When in walks a Pasquale, my countryman, who's a bringing me to a mess. Luigi, my friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello, Pasquale. What are you reading there, my little man? Are you studying for your examination at night school tonight? It's not important, Pasquale. Hey, why are you trying to hide the book? Come on, give me. Pasquale, don't touch. Let me read. Oh, it's a book about Italians. True Paisan story. <laughs> Is a passion. Passion? Sure, Pasquale. I explain to you what is a passion. Don't bother explain. A passion is like a love, only you breathe it through the nose. <laughs> so that's the way Luigi Basco spends his time, eh? Reading the junk. Is it not the junk? Is a very interesting. Tells me all about American girls. Listen. I was married to a glass blower. <laughs> Joyce Marlin, girl of pinboy. I was held captive by a chiropractor, or I knew it was a love, I could have felt it in my bones. <laughs> That's the sound of very education. That's right, Pasquale. Teaches you all about the love. Ah, uh, Luigi, you're a greenhorn to read a magazine like this. This stuff is a baloney. Pasquale, to you is a baloney. To me is a slice of life. 
<laughs> Luigi, what's happening to you? Ever since you go out with American a girl, is that nobody can talk to you. Instead of studying for your examinations tonight in the school, you're reading this trash. I was in a love with a glass of pinboy. <laughs> Joyce Samarlin, a girl of Carapodist. <laughs> Luigi, throw away this junk. Read your lessons, otherwise you don't pass your examination tonight. Pasquale, I don't know what's to come over with me. I don't can eat. I don't can sleep, and, and I don't care about the night school and examination. The trouble with you is very simple. You in love. Pasquale, I don't go to school tonight. I got a date with my new American girl. Peggy Marshak. You gonna have a date tonight in the midst of the examination? Luigi, you stupid fool. You love a crazy greenhorn boob. Oh, Pasquale. <laughs> you different type of man. You don't know about the love. I don't know about the love, huh? I'm a married of 26 years. But I got a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> no, Pasquale. I explain. When you feel love like I'm a feel, it's a something you don't let it go. It is something that winds around you. Just the one you think you got it, it slips through your fingers. It's a hard to get. But when you got it, it's the most delicious thing in the world. That's a love. Luigi, that's a plate of spaghetti. <laughs> well, so you forget all about my daughter Rosa. Pasquale, I'm never going to marry your daughter Rosa. Now, excuse me, Pasquale. I'm late for my date with a pay. All right, my little friend. Forget her, Rosa. Forget her why I'm bringing you to America. Forget her United School, your education. Let her, your business go to pieces. And your best friend, Pasquale, throw him in the garbage. Go, go out with your girl. But, Pasquale... I'm seeing the whole thing, Luigi. It's just like the story of Carmen when she's a driver down Jose crazy. And then at the end, she's leaving him for a bullfighter. And what does a poor Don Jose say? Oh, shut up, you fool. He's a wrong aria. He's a go like this. No, 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 I'm sorry, Pasquale. Luigi, we countrymen are friends. Think over before you leave. Drop this girl, Peggy. No, is it too late, Pasquale? I'm uh, too much in love. All right, to go. But the like in a calm, and when a Peggy throws you out, like a Don Jose, you come back. But there's uh, no more roses, and no more school, and no business, and no friends. And when you come a crawling back to me, on your knees, what do you think I'll say? Hello, shorty. <laughs> Date with a rose, date with an American girl. I picture him. Hello? Hello, public school number 12. I'd like to speak with Mrs. Spaulding, please. Hello? Hello, Mrs. Spaulding, this is a Pasquale's spaghetti palace speaking. Hello, Mr. Pasquale. I'm a no squealer, but uh, one of your pupils is a play hooky from your school tonight. Who? Well, uh, like I'm said, I'm no squealer, but uh, 
He's a short fella with a bushy hair, speaks it with an accent, and his initials is the L.B. <laughs> Luigi Basco? How you guess? <laughs> That's terrible. He couldn't have picked a worse night. Not only will he miss the examinations, but we were planning a surprise party for him. A surprise party? Yes, Luigi's been in America exactly one year today. What are we going to do now? Oh, I fix up. He's a go out tonight with a Miss Peggy Marshack, circular 8276. And if you tell her no go out with him, I'm sure he's a show up at a party. Good. I'll call her and explain the situation to her. Thank you. Oh, and Mr. Pasquale, yes, please sir. do me a favor. About the surprise party, don't say a word to Mr. Luigi. I'm going to say a word? Mrs. Spaulding, what do you think I am? A squealer? <laughs> Hello, Peggy. Hello, Luigi. I brought a little present. Oh, how lovely. Wax bananas. Yes. <laughs> I, I think they go nicer with artificial cherries I bring you last Tuesday. <laughs> Come on, let's go to a movie, huh, Peggy? Uh, I'm not going with you. You're not going to the movies with me. Why? Oh, I know, Peggy. Tonight, I pay for you. <laughs> You don't pay for yourself. Uh, Luigi, it's not that. Shouldn't you be in school tonight? Peggy, school is not to mean so much to me now. Since I met you, I'm going to learn a new language from the heart. And instead of alphabet to ABC, is a love. L-U-V. <laughs> Peggy, if you don't like movies, then I take you somewhere else. Come on, I take you to the Y. We play handball. <laughs> Maybe you like we stand outside a radio store and look at television. Luigi, it's no use trying to entice me. I'm not going with you. Peggy, you, you, you can't mean that. I do mean that. Go to school. You say that because you've got another date. I resent that, Mr. Basco. Go now. And believe me, I'm doing this for your good. I can't say any more, Luigi. Someday you'll know why I did this. But, but Peggy... Please, Luigi. Please go. Mamma mia, I'm a thrown out by my girl. Just like Pasquale says, I'm all alone. No friends and no business. No can I go back to school. That's the story of Carmen, all right. Now I know how poor Dan Jose he feels. <laughs> Get up for For the second act of Luigi Vasco's Adventures in Chicago, we turn to page two of his letter to his mother in Italy. So, Mamma Mia, Luigi, your son, he make a big fool of himself over a girl. In America, it's a saying, when you get a true with a girl, you washed up. Mamma Mia, I'm not only washed up, 
I'm a steam, the starch, the press, the packed up, and a sent to the cleaners. <laughs> My girl, Peggy Marshak, is a left to me for somebody else. Is it like Uncle Pietro say? For every man is a woman. Mamma mia, in Chicago tonight, there's some men that got a two woman. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm going to do. All I know is, is I cannot face my friends. I'm going to leave Chicago. Don't try to stop me, Mamma mia. I'm going to go. I'm just to wait right now for Jimmy, my 12-year-old general manager, to come home from his tuba lesson. Then I say goodbye. Hello, Mr. Luigi. Hello, Jimmy. Goodbye. Goodbye? But, boss, what do you mean? Hey, what are you all packed up for? Jimmy, I'm running away from home. Life is not fair to me. While I'm a bend down to tie my shoelace, love is a kicking me right in the head. <laughs> Jimmy, I feel so bad. I think I'm going to take a slow boat to Italy. <laughs> Boss, how are you going to get along in Italy? That's all right, Jimmy. I can learn Italian again. And even if I'm a failure in American, in Italy I make a good living. I got a too strong a feet. I can always crush grapes. <laughs> oh, Boss, you're not really going to go, are you? Jimmy, it's no use trying to stop me. I'm off on a boat to Italy with the money in my pocket. How much money do you have, boss? Seven and a half a dollars. Seven fifty? With that money, you're lucky if you could go steerage. Jimmy, if a captain takes me on a boat, I'm willing to drive. <laughs> Goodbye, Jimmy. Oh, don't, boss. Jimmy, don't make a scene. We're two big men. Goodbye. Kiss yourself for me. <laughs> just like this, you're leaving me? Not just like this. Everything I got, I'm leaving to you. But, boss, how am I going to pay all the bills? I leave the antiques and the statues to you. Well, go buy antiques and go buy statues. Go buy Washington. Go buy Lincoln. Go buy Jefferson. Go buy Coolidge. Hoover? Jimmy, take good care of the vacuum, McClendon. <laughs> all right, boss. Say, boss, have you said goodbye to Miss Spaulding? Don't mention my school teacher's name. Play hooky is a black and a blue mark against my name. Goodbye, Alexander Hamilton. Goodbye, Harris Greeley. You with the famous words. Go west, the young man. Goodbye. Go west? Hey, that's a good idea. I'm going to go west. West? That's for Luigi. I'm going to west. Jimmy? Yes, boss? Which way is the west? <laughs> Never mind. I'm going to find out. It's like a story in my passion magazine. I go west and become a millionaire. Boss, how will you make a living? There's a plenty of ways. Maybe I go to Milwaukee and I raise a beer. <laughs> if that's no good, I go to New Mexico and I grow cucarachas. <laughs> Just imagine, me and a Peggy Mary. Ah, we're going to live in a big enchilada. And we have a five or six little tortillas. Go back, Jimmy. Boss, boss. He's gone. What am I going to do? i got to stop him. How come Mr. Pasquale? Mr. Pasquale! Hey, Mr. Pasquale! What's the matter, Jimmy? Why are you so excited? It's Luigi. He's gone. Gone? Yeah, he went west. Well, where's the body? He's not dead. He's leaving town. He's going away forever. How much money did he have? Seven and a half dollars. Forever means he's going to be right back. <laughs> what do you mean? If I'm no Luigi, he's going to get thrown out of the railroad station, he'll miss you and he'll come right back. You really think so? I know so. That's when he'll want a friend. And that's when my Rosa will be waiting for him. Rosa, I want you to smell good for Luigi. 
Put on some of my aftershave lotion. <laughs> Ah, there it is. Across the street. Union Station. Hey, what's this sign saying? Travel at our expense. Join up and see the world. Uncle Sam wants you. <laughs> That's a trip for nothing. It's a funny kind of travel agency. I'm going inside and see. Hiya, buddy. Come on in. Thank you. Please, mister, I'd like to take a trip out the west. You've come to the right place. <laughs> Ever served before? Oh, that's the catch, huh? No, I never served before. But if it's necessary, I'm willing to become a waiter. How far west can I go? Saipan, Guam, Bikini. <laughs> when I'm a rich California. California? Yes. I'm a here is always a nice and a sunny in California. Well, that can be arranged. California's probably where you spend your boot camp. Oh, one minute I'm away, the next minute I'm a fixer the shoes. <laughs> no, I'm a think I don't go. I'm a gotta make a lot of money because Peggy Marshak is a beautiful... Now, take it easy, Mac. I know how you feel, but things have changed. Here, have some coffee and donuts. Oh. How much does it cost? Free, buddy. Oh. And you get them as long as you stay with us. Well, <laughs> this I like. Hmm. Please, mister, tell me. How am I going to travel? Any way you like. Oh. <laughs> Train, boat, airplane, oh. submarine, dog sled, rickshaw... <laughs> Sometimes you might even have to crawl on your stomach. That's a funny way to get to California. <laughs> Tell me, is enough for money seven and a half a dollar? Put it away, pal. From now on, your money worries are over. In fact, while you're traveling, we pay you 50 bucks a month. Fifty dollars? That's private pay. Oh, you pay me in a private, nobody should see, huh? <laughs> and if you're around ten years or so, you may even get a commission. Commission? How long is it till I become a partner? Buddy, you're a partner right now in the most tremendous, most gigantic, and what's more, most successful organization in the entire world. What's the name of the company? <laughs> Great kidder. <laughs> Well, let's give you a simple aptitude test to see which branch you're best suited for. Uh-huh. Take a look at that picture. What type of equipment is that? Well, it uh, looks uh, familiar. They're, uh... Tanks. You're welcome. <laughs> now, now, here's a piece of naval equipment. Uh-huh. Is that a U-boat? What the... Is that a U-boat? No, that's not a my boat. <laughs> well... Don't worry, Mac. We'll find a place for you. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you said that because I'm going to want to leave the town right away. Then you want to join immediately? Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> now, uh, would you mind signing right here? All right. Hello, it's us. Now, when I start, 
You start right now. Oh. Chin, chin! Huh? I'm right. What? Chin up, chin what? down. What? I dropped that stone. What do you what mean by eating you... while you're on duty? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. You think I'm in the army? What army? You're in the paratroopers. Huh? Now march. Yep. Pasquale, what are you doing in my store? I'm waiting for little stupid Don Jose to come a crawl in the back of the hands. Hey, Luigi, where you get this a crew haircut? <laughs> it's a long story, Pasquale. You see, I'm a join of the army. What? First, the doctors is examining me. Then they give me malaria shots, the typhoid shot, the six other shots. Then they cut off all of my hair, giving me a uniform. Then they find out I'm not a citizen, so they throw me out. <laughs> What's that a little bandage on your arm? Before they let me go away, they take a pint of blood. <laughs> what a big boob I'm looking at. What a stupid... Please, please, Pasquale. Don't talk like that to a veteran. <laughs> I'm a suffer too much for one day. I know, Luigi. But you can always count on your friend Pasquale to help you. You still my friend? Shame, Luigi. Why you ever doubt me? I'm your friend. But you got someone who's a waiter for you is even a bigger friend. The biggest friend you got. Rosa! Rosa! Come here, Rosa. Say hello to Luigi. <laughs> hello, Luigi. <laughs> hello, Rosa. Ain't it nice to have a friend to Luigi? Rosa, no, you must be nice and hungry to look at what she brings you. Coffee and donuts. No, no, I'm not hungry. <laughs> well, I think I'm leaving you two lover birds alone. You must have a lot to talk about. Goodbye, my son. Wait, wait, Pasquale. Where's the Jimmy? Oh, poor little bambino. When you leave, he's a sitting and a cry his eyes out. I think he's a break his heart. Where is he now? I give him a quarter and he's to go to the movies. <laughs> you don't think of anything. It's just you and a Rosa and a love. <laughs> oh, shut up, you man. Luigi Bosco, my friend and fellow boober. <laughs> Schultz, what do you do here? And are you supposed to be in a night school? Oh, night school. Well, I thought maybe for tonight I drop it in on your antique shop. <laughs> it's funny, Luigi. Me and you, we are both playing hockey. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... What are the examinations? Sure, please. Rosa and Luigi want to be alone. So if you want to come in tonight, to drop in some other time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Pasquale, don't chase the shorts. It's my story. It's my daughter. If you don't mind, I'm staying. <laughs> Hello, my fine Italian friend, Luigi. O'Reilly. Oh, Anna Swenson. What do you want to do here? 
You want to miss the night class? Save you worrying, Luigi. Sure, and it's cold outside. It's nice to be warming yourself around that pot-bellied stove. <laughs> That's my daughter, Rosa. <laughs> to go home already. You've been here two minutes. Pasquale, please. A little while ago, I was ready to leave this country. I thought I got enough friends. But it looks like maybe it's different. If only my teacher, Mrs. Spaulding, is still like me. Mrs. Spaulding. Hello, Mr. Luigi. What's happened? Is a whole class in my store. Why not? <laughs> this is a classy store. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Miss Spaulding, I'm very sorry to say this, but I'm I'm a no study for your examination tonight. Just the same, Mr. Luigi, we're going to hold the examination anyway. Now, Luigi Basco, what person whom we all know arrived from Italy recently? But but I'm a no study, Miss Spaulding. Well, try it, Mr. Luigi. What person we all know arrived from Italy recently? Rita Hayward. <laughs> No, no, Mr. Luigi. I'll give you a clue. This person's initials are L.B. Uh, Lionel Barrymore? <laughs> Mr. Schultz, you answer the question. With pleasure. Luigi Bosco. <laughs> Luigi Bosco. And why is this particular day important? Well, I... I, I don't know, Miss Spaulding. Well, I know. It's exactly a year that Luigi Bosco has been a resident of this country. That's right. It's exactly a year that the Luigi Basco has been a resident of this country. One year today. I'm going to understand. What is examination? There wasn't any examination, Luigi. I just wanted to make sure that everyone, including you, would be present tonight. Oh, Miss Spaulding. My friends, I, I don't know what to say. I'm so glad I don't run away. From now on, Miss Spaulding... I'm going to go to school every night. I'm going to study all day. And I'm going to let nothing or anybody interfere because... Luigi, I'm here too. Peggy. Excuse me, Miss Spaulding. There's someone i got to talk to. Surprise. And look, I brought something for the whole party. What do you bring? Donuts and coffee for everybody. Mia, is it the day come out the good after all? Is it prove a man's a best of friends is his best of friends? <laughs> Can't write tomorrow, Mamma Mia, because I'm now busy writing an article for a magazine called The True Passion. <laughs> Name of the story is I Found the Love in a Chicago. Or is Ill Wind What the Blows and Those Are Good? <laughs> Yes, your loving son, Luigi, the little immigrant. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Lone Ranger, followed by Burns and Ellen. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. 
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.